Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future, and we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision Podcast with Carrie Rome and Lisa Beck. No. I know. I knew you were gonna make me say this. So Lisa Shuck. Again, Greg Shuck is gonna be so happy that you made me just say that. Yeah. Are we gonna do this from now on? Are you switching over to Shuck? Um, you know, I think professionally I'm gonna stay Lisa Beck because most everybody that knows me literally just calls me Beck. So I, I think personally Why don't you be Beck Shuck? No, uh, I like that. I don't like that. No, at no, no, all. not a hyphen. George is like looking at me like, "Don't not, you dare do a, that." Not a hyphen, but I. But just call myself Beck Shuck. Yeah, my name is Beck Shuck. My that's, name is that Beck sort Shuck. of stands that's out. That's actually kind of cool. I think it's cool. All right, there you go, Carrie. Look what you've done. Yes. Yes. All right. So, all right. welcome to the Cage Vision Podcast with Carrie Rome and Lisa Shuck. No, Lisa Be- Beck Shuck. No, no. Beck Shuck. <laughs> and, Be- and and Beck Shuck. I think we've just achieved a new level of coolness with the name Beck Shuck. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. Because that other thing that you said earlier was more like, um, it's like you're a, some star in Hollywood. And you're like, well, I can't change my name because too many people know me. <laughs> I'm not buying it, right? We're going with Beck Shuck. Beck change, Shuck. Beck Shuck. Awesome. Okay. So this week, we are talking, you know, often we talk to people that, have um, our business leaders have started their own business. And a lot of people may be small business owners. They may be um, entrepreneurs. But there are a lot of people that listen that aren't, that work with large companies. And deep down, they have that seed that we talk about. And today, we're going to be talking about um, as you work in a large organization, and you don't water that seed, and you don't work a plan, and you don't write down what you want to achieve, what happens is, is you start to hide. And the reason you start to hide is because you have fear of what that caged vision, if what happens if you unlock that caged vision, you have fear of what that will actually look like. So today we're going to talk about that. So if you are part of a larger company deep down it, it on the drive home and over the weekends you think about oh I should do this I should do that and you never do it this one's going to be for you I love this because I am dealing with this now I mean I'm watching this in an organization where there are people that just do the same old same old and that, that's never going to get the organization anywhere. And then there are other individuals who are like, screw this. I'm done. We need to get some stuff done. And I am not going to let fear of change or fear of something that may or may not happen stop me from moving the ball forward. Oh, that's so, so good. So I wrote a post last week. Uh, it's from a guy named uh, Mor- Mark Forchette. And Mark is the CEO of, um, I forget the company now, but 
He's actually uh, grew up in South Alabama, went to Auburn. He's now went to uh, Silicon Valley for a while. Oh, wow. And he's in Detroit now. But he says uh, strategy is sexy and cool, and everybody likes to talk about strategy. But the rubber meets the road in executing a plan. And so from that thought, I said, okay, listen, we are, it's first quarter's gone, which means 25% of the year is gone. And if you're an astute business leader, you can do a self-check. You can say, hey, where am I? And you probably fall into one of three categories. The first category is you just referenced. You're doing the same old, same old, right? The second category is you maybe hide behind because it's only first quarter. Well, the verdict's still out. Okay. Can I just say, this drives me crazy. It yeah. really does. Yeah. The yeah. whole punt because you need more information more and information. We, we need to ask more questions. You know, the bottom, it, sometimes that is true. Okay, so there are people out there rolling their eyes going, wait, no, we can't just take a big leap. I agree with that to a certain extent, but you are never going to know 100% A, if something is going to work or not, and B, you're never going to be able to determine all of the obstacles or issues that are going to occur while you're trying to do something. And so stopping movement completely, waiting for more information, it's just... You're never going to get anything done. No, and here's how you quickly solve for that. When someone says we need more information, ask them, what specific information do you need so that you'll be able to make a decision? We'll go get that information. But after you get that information, it needs to be enough information that then you know that you're comfortable making a decision. Force them to write down that. What What is it that you actually need to know? And based on that information, what decision would you make? Because there's a habit of this verdict still out. We need to learn more. That is a continuous digging a hole, dig constant digging a hole, right? So first one is same old, same old. Second is verdict still out. We're still learning. And the third people, they're looking at you in the rearview mirror because they've got a clear path to exactly where they're going. Of course, that is what we talk about a lot as what we help companies with, with, with addicts, what Lisa's working with her team with. Um, but let's go through, I want to touch on the same old, same old, because here's, here's my, uh, my viewpoint on the same old, same old. I hope that if you, if you just had, if you heard this, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast if you're doing same old, same old. Because you're not trying to learn and you're not Probably investing not. in yourself. <laughs> but if you're the 1% that, that are listening to this, um, if you're doing the same old, same old, and you, and you are expecting different results, I really, really hope two things for you. Number one, you've saved for retirement. And number two, retirement is very, very close. <laughs> because you're not going to have a job for long. Okay. The second, the verdict's still out. We got to pick on this one for a while because a lot of people hide behind this. Really, this is what we're talking about, Lisa. When you're talking about hiding out, this is, I mean, people are professionals at this. I have to say, and I'm going to, so I'm working with a large organization now and I see it very clearly. We have this weekly meeting that we are now having and, um, you know, death by meeting. 
But this meeting, the whole idea, concept behind this meeting is if you get the right players in a room, you can solve problems so that you don't have other meetings where everybody goes, well, verdict's still out because I haven't heard from operations yet on whether or not we can do this. Or, well, now we know this, but now we got to wait on IT. And the whole concept is, well, if you get each stakeholder in the room and then you address the issue, no one can hide behind same old, same old, or we need more information. Because all the stakeholders that you need information from are in the room. Yeah. Operational transparency. Yes. And I have to say that when we first started this this meeting, there were way too many people in the room and they were not all the right stakeholders. Yeah. And so the first couple of meetings, we really didn't get squat done because the wrong players were in the room. And more importantly, we didn't trust each other, right? Because mm. we were looking at people going, oh, they're going to do the same old, same old, know why we're having this. One person said, I'm done. I'm not coming back to this meeting again. Mm. We are not accomplishing anything. We need to ditch half the people that are in this room. Let's get down to the key stakeholders that can make decisions and make things happen, and let's get with it. Mm -hmm. Somebody stood up and said, the emperor has no clothes on, and this is not going to work unless we really take a hard look at what we're and, doing. And Lisa, really what you're hitting at is someone that's trying to make a, a change yes. in culture. Yes. And it takes um, it takes a few things we're going to get to um, and, and with our tips and our takeaways. It takes someone saying, I can no longer operate like this because this is not achieving anything. And so we might as well not even meet rather than pretend that we are making progress when all we're doing is scheduling meetings and talking and, and really bringing excuses to the table as to why we can't make progress. And the reason excuses have no value is because everybody's got one. <laughs> that is very true. So when we look back at, we're 2019, 25% of the year has already gone. So think about that, Lisa. If you're if you have a destination, well, most we're going to assume that companies have said this is where we want to be by the end of 2019. That's your destination, okay? So let's assume that you did that. Not every not every company does that. Some are still doing that. They're still planning for in for 2019. Oh yeah, we don't even yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah. So some companies, I but let's assume that you had a plan and you rolled it out. And the destination is where you want to be at the end of 2019. If you're doing the same old, same old, which means you don't know, you're you're you don't know how you're coming, or air quotes, the verdict is still out. What if you took a trip and you just started driving and you knew the destination, but you weren't sure whether or not you were on the clear path? If you were 25 percent through would it make sense to stop pause find a map figure out whether you're on track or not and if you think about um, i've heard that um you know um, when you're when you're flying on an airplane the subtle movements and the in the course correction think about the slight variation of course correction that has to happen early on versus if you wait until the last 25 percent how off you'll be. 
Nice. Yeah. That was well said, Mr. Yeah. Rome. Well, well done. I think I'm done. I'll see y'all later. Lisa, take it from here. All right. So now we're going to talk about takeaways. And so some of the things, well, one of the things you said earlier, Carrie, before we started the podcast was, you know, it's important that everyone clearly see the vision and understand their part in the process. But then how do we do that? And so ask yourself, and the first takeaway sort of relates to still hiding, which is why are you playing it safe? In other words, why are you not doing what this person in my organization did, which was stand up and go, yo, people, if we really want to get this done, we've got to start, stop hiding and make some decision and move forward. Yeah, Lisa, who we're, we're calling out business leaders that are hiding out. Yeah. And the thing is that those business leaders, ultimately, they want people to believe in uh, their path in their vision, in where they want to take the organization. Otherwise, you're just, you're just collecting a check, right? So if you're that person, well, to motivate people around the journey that you believe in, A, you, you actually have to believe in it, um, but they need to see your vision in the future, and then they need to know their part in the process. We could complicate it, and we could say we need more data, but it's really pretty simple. If you can't clearly say, this is where I'm going, and then show people where they fit into the process, maybe you don't know where you're going, and maybe you're just hiding out, and maybe you are not ready to, um, to make that commitment to the value that you're going to bring to the organization, in which case... I hope you retire soon, and I hope you have <laughs> enough saved for retirement. The other thing, and I think one of the reasons some people play it safe, especially in large organizations, and we I see this in our organization, and I've been guilty of this myself um, in the past, is we think, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, my gosh, I could lose my job, or I could lose the respect of someone higher up, and then I'm never going to get anything done because they're never going to listen to me again. I think that might be more than anything else, the fear of what's the worst that could happen. But I think you have to get over that fear and literally play out in your mind. Mm -hmm. If I stop playing it safe, if I stand up for what should be happening to move this organization or my department or whatever forward, list out what are the worst things that could happen mm -hmm. and really play through. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Or have I created that? Or yes. Yeah. Have I created that? So I think that's, you know, this is sort of uh, what's the worst that could happen. Um, there are, there are not every organization is full of risk takers. We're not saying that. In fact, we're not even saying take a risk. What we're saying is stop hiding out. And, and to stop hiding out, you actually have to, to, to lay out a plan full of uh, data and facts to support where you want to go. When you do that, you mitigate these preconceived risks that you've created. But if you are in a role where you are uh, intended to be the leader in an organization and you're playing it safe, you're not leading. You are not leading. You're sitting back and you're probably getting overpaid. You think? I think so. I mean, if you if you're not if you're if you're um, if you're just sitting back playing it safe and you're not 
doing your best to move the organization forward, I think you're overcompensated. I just do. There and are that, a lot of people like that, by the way. Well, just saying. They probably don't like me right now. No, probably not. They probably didn't like me before. That's definitively a correct answer. That's <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so point number one is uh, why are you playing it safe? Point number two is what's the worst that could happen? Number three, we just touched on briefly, but you want to recap it? Make a plan based on data and facts that will mitigate the risk of number two. So, for example, oh, I'm going to use this example. I have a great example. It doesn't really have to do with work, but it has to do with something personal. So, we have been buying and selling houses over the course of the past couple of weeks in preparation for getting married or, yeah. I guess I'm now married when we do this. Um, and one of the things is we had an inspection and the structural engineer that it involved a structural engineer. Mm -hmm. And and my dear sweet husband uh, says, uh, this is like she's the buyer's going to walk away. Right. Then we're going to own two houses. We're going to, I mean, he went to like worst yeah. possible yeah. scenario that could happen. Like worst case scenario, the the sky is falling. The world is coming to an end. Dogs and cats living together. I mean, like <laughs> it was of just ap <laughs> apocalyptic proportions. Yeah. In reality, I said, okay, so let's go to what's the worst that can happen. Get your little spreadsheet out because, you know, we have we like spreadsheets yeah, at our yeah. house. Get your spreadsheet out. Let's look at the numbers. What happens if she, if the buyer walks? What happens if we end up with two houses, really three houses because I have a house too? And, you know, how is this going to play out over time? Well, when we really looked at the reality of the situation yeah was it a pain would it be a pain in the rear sure. oh beyond a pain in the rear but was it at the end of the day gonna be okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was and so we went through this whole exercise and then the next day I get a text and it's Hey, she just asked for this. We're good to go. Yeah, we're good. And I'm but, like, but, wait, wait, hold on. We spent 24 hours in this heightened emotional crisis state before we like stopped, took a deep breath and like actually said, what's the worst that could happen? Then when we went through, we were like, hey, this is not so bad. And then at the end of the day, the bad thing didn't even happen. It didn't even happen. Didn't I know the story happen. that you created. All right, quick story. For when Jen and I, uh, when we were engaged, bought a house. Um, I was so freaked out over the mortgage. <laughs> I was so freaked out over the mortgage. And so I'm doing the same thing that we just talked about. I'm playing this story and, you know, gosh, you know, what happens if one of us loses our jobs? And, yep. blah, blah, blah. and then I was said, well, if I take the rent she's been paying and the rent I've been paying, we save $150 a month. Oh, it's the story that you create for yourself that you replay over and over ago again. That's that's not based on facts and data. Take the emotion out, and I think that that is something that when we go to why are you playing it safe, and people are afraid, fear is an emotion. It is not a reality. It's an emotion. Yes. So if you look at what's the worst that can happen, and then you. You make a plan based on data and facts. You mm -hmm. remove that emotional component, and you really look at reality. Mm. Wow, that's novel. a novel concept. Novel concept, yeah, yeah. All right, the last takeaway is, and this is gut check time. Okay, the first one is, why are you playing it safe? So we're calling you out a little bit. Number two, 
hey, what's the worst that could happen? Number two, number three, um, you're pretty smart. Make a plan. And then ask yourself, okay, what would be worse? Living with number two or living with number three? For me, at the end of my life, looking back, I want no regrets. When something, when you've let something slip by and go and shoulda, coulda, woulda, that is a miserable place to be. So ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? And what is that so bad? Just as you, just as you did when you talk about your example with the, I mean, how many houses do you, you should, you know, yeah. with, uh, with the latest tax, we still own way too many with houses. the latest tax and you should just create a real estate company. And I think you could get a 20% <laughs> tax, Probably pay yourself so. to I, this, I am, I am a CPA. I'm inactive. This is not uh, CPA or tax advice for anyone. Uh, please don't come after me. IRS. Anyway. So I think it's really important to ask yourself and just wh- be honest with yourself, weigh the options. And you know what? If you say, you know what, I'm too fearful to do anything, well, just stop all the whining and just say, you know what, I'm, I, I, my personality is, is that I, I'm a, I need to be able to play it safe because I can't live with not playing it safe. And that's okay. But don't complain about not achieving something that you're not willing to stick your neck out for. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this has been encouraging, provided maybe a little confidence for you to stick your neck out. I said that one fast. Yes. Yeah. And um, and Lisa back our back, back shock. Back shock. Back shock in the house. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.